one, the birth of Jesus. Or, welcome to our world. One silent night in the town of Bethlehem, the cry of a newborn baby was heard from the depths of a filthy stable. Meanwhile, out in the fields nearby, some shepherds were watching their sheep. Dudes. When suddenly, an angel appeared in the sky. Dude! Dude! Huh. Dude! Dude! Relax, dudes! I mean, do not be afraid. God has sent me with good news. The Savior has been born. He's here. Go to Bethlehem. You'll find him there. Dude! Dude. The shepherds did find Jesus in the stable in Bethlehem. <laughs> and after they worshipped him, they went and told everyone about the new king that had been born. But when word reached King Herod, he was furious. I am furious! He was afraid He was afraid that this new king would take over his throne. I'm afraid that this new king might... Wait, you just said that, didn't you? Uh-huh. Oh. Guards! Bring me those three travelers who are following that star to Bethlehem. Oh, 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 what is he talking about? Just nod and smile. <laughs> Listen, when you find this king that you're looking for, I want you to come back here and tell me, so that way I can go and kill, I mean, uh, worship him. Yeah, yeah, that's it, worship him, okay? Okay, okay. Right. gotta go, gotta go. Bye. And so the three travelers followed the star until they found Jesus. Joseph, someone's at the door. Who is it? It's, it's the wise men. The wise men. Do we know the wise men, Joseph? Hello. 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 We have come to worship the king. We bring gifts. <gasps> Gold. Ooh. Frankincense. <gasps> ah. And myrrh. Did you already get myrrh? Well, you can never have enough myrrh. Well, at least it's better than Viking season tickets. Oh, well, right. <laughs> Look, here, I brought the receipt. You can take it back. No, really? He'll love it. And so the wise men worshipped the baby Jesus. God had warned them not to go back to King Herod, so they went home another way. I knew we should have taken that left turn in Albuquerque. Well, if you would have stopped and asked for directions. <sighs> Herod still tried to have Jesus killed, but God protected Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, and finally they made their way home back down to Nazareth. And to make a long story short, Too late! Jesus grew up. Scene two, the life of Jesus. Or that's what it's supposed to look like. When Jesus was 30 years old, he had, the time had come for him to do what he had come to earth to do, to teach people about God, how God wanted people to live, and then to die and rise again. So he went out into the wilderness where a group had gathered to hear a wild man named John teach. My name is John the Baptist. Okay, so I look a little weird. Well, duh. And I eat weird things like honey and locusts. Did he say locusts? Ew, like bugs. Oh. Okay, gross. Oh, my God, me. But listen, I have a very important message. Okay. Life as we know it is about to change. No longer will we have to sacrifice animals to pay for our sins. No longer will we have to work to get to God by doing good deeds. What? what? Are you serious? 
Yes. Someone is coming who will pay for our sins once and for all. Oh, no, no, it's not me. But he is coming soon. And if you wish to follow him, come to me and be baptized as a sign of that. Thanks, J.B. Sure. But the Pharisees, who were the Jewish religious leaders, did not like what they were hearing. In my day, we didn't go around being baptized. We offered God an animal sacrifice for our sins. And then we hit ourselves with a pain stick. And we liked it. Jesus arrived and was baptized by John. I should be baptized by you, but yet you come to me. Yes, it is right for us to do this. The crowd scattered, and Jesus traveled deeper into the wilderness to be alone with God, where he would be prepared to do his good work. He went without food and water for 40 days so that he could be totally focused upon God. But during this time of hunger and weakness, someone paid him a visit. I don't mean to pry, but why don't you take them there rocks and turn them into bread and eat them? Nope. Well, how about it? You see that temple up there? Why don't you go jump off and God will send his angels down and rescue you and then everyone will see just how cool you really are. Uh-uh. I got one more for you. You see the kingdoms out there? I'll give them all to you. All you got to do is just bow down and worship me. Think about it, kids. Nope. You know the deal. Do not test the Lord your God. Now get out of here, Satan. Jesus was now ready to begin his work. He started by choosing 12 men that would follow him everywhere and to help him teach. Come, follow me. And they did. Peter. Andrew. Juan, I mean, uh, John. James. James, uh, the other James. Matthew. Philip. Thomas. Bartholomew. Thaddeus. Uh, Simon. And Judas. <sighs> and for the next three years, the disciples followed Jesus all around the area as he taught people about God. During these three years, Jesus did many miracles. I turned this water into wine. Woohoo! Little girl, you're not dead. Get up. Woohoo! Blind man, open your eyes. Paralyzed man, you can walk. Woohoo! And on and on like this. But the Pharisees now grew more jealous of Jesus. In my day, we didn't go around doing miracles. If we were blind, we stayed blind. If we were dead, we stayed dead. We were miserable. And we liked it. During these three years, Jesus taught many things. If somebody hurts you, let it go. Do not try to get even. 
No way! Yes way. And if you want to be great, you must serve others. No way! Yes way. And if you want to honor God, keep your mind, body, and actions pure. No way! Yes way. And on and on like this. Jesus taught in a way that people had never heard of before. And the Pharisees grew to hate Jesus. In my day, we didn't go around saying, don't get even. No, when somebody hurt us, we got revenge, and that was that. We were selfish, miserable, and greedy. And we liked it. During, <laughs> During these three years, Jesus met many people and changed them forever. My name is Jairus. Hi, Jairus. Jesus, Jesus brought my daughter back from the dead. He gave my little girl back to me. He changed my life forever. Ooh. Hi, I'm Martha, and I'm a workaholic. Oh. Hi, Hi, Martha. Martha. I was always so busy that I didn't even have time to sit and talk with Jesus. Oh. He taught me that the most important thing is just to be with him. Oh. Hi, I'm a Samaritan woman. Hi, Hi Samaritan. Oh, 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 I know, I know, most Jews hate us. But Jesus was my friend. He accepted me. He changed me forever. Ah. And on and on like this. But the Pharisees now despised Jesus. In my day, we didn't go around changing things. We were miserable when we were lucky if we changed our underwear. And oh, we liked it. And during these three years, the disciples followed Jesus everywhere he went and followed him faithfully, even though they sometimes didn't quite understand what he said. Did he say, blessed are the cheesemakers? No, I think it was, blessed are the peacemakers. Ah. Did he say, after three days, bread will rise? I thought he said, after three days, he will rise. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. If, if he's the son of God, then why do we sometimes call him the son of man? Oh, I got this, I got this. Because you see, he is, he's the son of God, but then he's like also the son of man. And it's like, and it's, well, got it? My head hurts. Yeah, mine, mine too. too. But even though they didn't understand it all, they still followed him. During those three years, tons of other stuff happened. In an amazing story today, Jesus took five loaves of bread and two fish and miraculously turned it into enough food to feed 5,000 people. More at five. In today's top stories, Jesus of Nazareth was reported stopping a violent storm over the Sea of Galilee by simply telling it to be still. We will track this tonight on Doppler 5 Radar. Reports today confirm that the man known as Jesus was seen walking on water near the town of Genesaret. The story and more at 11. During a funeral today in the town of Nain, the coffin opened up and the once young man dead was now alive again and got up and started talking. Moments earlier, Jesus was seen touching the coffin and saying, young man, get up. He was not available for comment. In an amazing story today, crowds gathered and waved palm leaves at the city gates. What caused this excitement, you may ask? 
It was not the entrance of the governor's chariot, as many suspect, but rather a single man riding into town on a donkey. The man has been identified as Jesus of Nazareth, who many have come to believe is the promised Messiah. Truly an exciting way to begin this week's Passover festivities. This is Stephanie Green, Channel 6 News, Jerusalem. And to make a long story short, too late! Jesus did many other things as well, and yet the Pharisees now hated Jesus more than ever. In my day, you didn't go around following every little carpenter that said he was the Messiah. No, they followed us Pharisees. We were popular, <laughs> and we liked it. But the time has come now to do something about this Jesus. Which leads us to scene three, the death of Jesus. The Pharisees arranged to have Jesus betrayed by Judas and arrested. They sent him to the governor and convinced him to have Jesus killed. Jesus was then nailed to a cross where he hung for several hours until he finally died. Jesus had paid the price for all the sins of the world. And the disciples, they went home thinking everything was over. Scene four, the resurrection. On the third day, Mary went to the tomb, and when she got there, she found that the tomb was empty. She ran to find the disciples, but when she found them, they didn't believe her. What's the matter with you saying Jesus is alive? Hashtag crazy talk. Hashtag you're nuts. Hashtag come on. Hashtag that ain't right. But it's true. Hashtag it's true. It's true. Jesus. Jesus? Jesus! Oh, Jesus, man. It's so good to see you. Oh, man. Hey, remember that time when we all got together for a meal? Oh, that food was so good. Oh, man. And you told us you were going to come back from the dead. Oh, blew us away, man. Just blew us away. But we didn't know what you were talking about. Do you remember? Remember? Remember that? Yes, I remember. Oh, that was so awesome. Thanks, but things are just beginning. I've got plans for you. And Jesus de described to them the adventure that still awaited them for all his believers and how they would spread the message to the ends of the world. And then he left to go get re heaven ready for all of them. All right, brother. Now's when things get exciting. <sighs> Talking about Jesus is probably going to be one of the hardest things we've ever done. Are you in? <sighs> Let's do it! Yeah! Scene five, the church starts. Or, today, Jerusalem, tomorrow, the world. <laughs> the disciples all stayed in the town of Jerusalem, just as Jesus had asked them to do. But on the day called Pentecost, Pentecost, God sent them a gift. Oh my gosh, a gift, a gift, a gift, a surprise, a little surprise. Oh, is it candy? I love candy. No, it's not candy. Oh, wait, 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 let me get something, let me get something. It's a bike! No, oh, no, a it's... A TV! No, oh, that, oh. and I'll tell you... Oh, please, but let me tell you... Zap, but, zap, but, zap, but, zap, but... It was the Holy Spirit. Whoa! Whoa. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit came from God in a most amazing way. First, a violent wind blew and filled the house where they were. And then these things like tongues of fire came and landed on their heads. Oh, my hair, my hair. 
It didn't burn. Oh. It was the Holy Spirit. God had given the Holy Spirit to the disciples so that they could finish the good work that Jesus had asked them to do. And God still gives the Holy Spirit today to the people who follow him, all the believers. The disciples were now ready to complete the mission that God had given and spread the word about Jesus. My name is Peter. Let me tell you about Jesus. My name's Philip. Let me tell you about Jesus. My name's Barnabas. Let me tell you about Jesus. Sometimes people listened, and huge crowds became Christians. Yes! yes. But... My name is Stephen. Let me tell you about Jesus. Girl! Sometimes it didn't quite work out so well. Many of the Jewish leaders were against the message of Jesus and persecuted the disciples by beating them, imprisoning them, and even killing them. So, many of the disciples went away from Jerusalem to their surrounding areas, but that only helped the message to be spread farther than ever. Scene six, the church grows. Or, they're everywhere, they're everywhere. As the message spread, so did the opposition. People began actually hunting down Christians to stop from them from spreading the message. One of the most effective Christian hunters was a guy named Saul. I am Saul. This Christian thing is just crazy. I'm going to do whatever I can to stop it from spreading, even if I have to kill them all. But Saul was changed on the road to Damascus when Jesus appeared to him. Who is that? I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Well, get up and go into the city. I've got plans for you. When... When he got up from the ground and opened his eyes, he found that he couldn't see anything. I'm blind. But he made his way to the town of Damascus, where a man named Anna, 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 Ananias thinks Ananias found him. Saul, Jesus has sent me to find you. I am here to help you see again. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Personal space. Bada-bing, bada-bang, bada-boom, zippity-doo-da-day. Ah, oh, whatever. You're healed. Jesus gave Ananias the power to heal Saul, and immediately Saul could see again. I can see. I have seen Jesus. I now know he is who they say he is. I believe. And to make a long story short, too late. Saul went to Jerusalem, joined the disciples, and started spreading the message about Jesus everywhere. Hey, guys, I was wondering before I go out on tour that I was thinking I should change my name, you know, since I don't kill Christians anymore. Hey, how about Methuselah? That's a good name. Well, I was thinking something a little cutting edge, like the artist formerly known as Saul. How about just Paul? Oh, you think simple's best? I really do. Fine, Paul it is. Paul went traveling on three different tours, telling people everywhere he went about the message of Jesus. Everywhere he went, lots of people became followers. But everywhere he went, people opposed the message and tried to stop him. He was beaten. Ow! He was made fun of. Nanny, nanny, nanny! And he was tortured. (laughs) While they were in Philippi, Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. But they remained joyful. Hey, if, if you're, you're happy, happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Hey, this isn't 
so oh, bad in all here. Right, it's all right. But that night, God sent an earthquake. The prison doors flew open, and when the jailer arrived, he freaked because he knew that everyone had escaped, and he thought he would be killed. What? He, he raised his sword to kill himself. He oh. raised his sword to kill himself. Hold up, we're still here. The jailer was amazed, and Paul told them about Jesus. He and his whole family became followers. The next day... Paul, Silas, yes. the, the city officials ordered you released. You're, you're free to go. Oh, oh goodness, you guys. Group hug, group hug. Oh, I love you, man. But that wasn't the last time that Paul was in trouble. Paul returned to Jerusalem after his third tour, but he'd barely been there a week when... Hey, isn't that the guy that talks about all that Jesus stuff? Yeah, that's an insult to us and to our laws. Let's get him! Yeah! The crowd closed in on him and began to beat him, but... Extra, extra, Paul saved from rioting crowd by Roman soldiers. Read all about it. Paul is put on trial before the Jewish leaders and the Roman king. Hot off the presses, Paul is sent to Rome to stand trial before Emperor Caesar. Read all about it. Extra, get it first here. Ship carrying Paul to Rome is run aground. All are shipwrecked. Extra, extra, read all about it. Paul and his captors escape the island and arrive in Rome. Paul is imprisoned awaiting his trial with Caesar. And so it went. Yet all throughout Paul's trials, he continued to tell people about Jesus and what had happened to him on the road to Damascus. Paul stayed in prison for at least two more years, awaiting his trial with Emperor Caesar. Howdy, folks. Caesar here. Very busy guy. Really busy. Should take the time and talk to Paul. Not gonna do it. Wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. While Paul was in prison, people still continued to persecute the Christian churches. Things were often tough. It would have been easy to give up. Oh, uh, oh, Ahmed. What's wrong, Ariana Stein? What isn't wrong, Ahmed? Paul's in prison. Oh, you're right. And you know, even though the church is growing, people still hate us. Why? Because we have so much spirit? No, because we're Christians. Oh. Well, what if all the churches give up? They need the, the perfect, perfect cheer. cheer. Who's that Christian that's the best? It's Paul. It's Paul. Who's that Christian that's the best? It's Paul. It's Paul. Uh-huh. 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 Don't worry, Paul. You'll get out of prison soon. And when you do, you'll come to my house and we'll do the rainbow loom. They hate you churches, but don't you fear it, because we're the ones with the Holy Spirit. Woo! Woo! Christians rule. Romans rule. Woo! In spite of the opposition, the churches began to grow and spread. While Paul was imprisoned in Rome, he continued to send letters to different churches, teaching them and encouraging them. And to make a long story short, too late, the message continued to spread throughout the ends of the earth. Scene 7, Revelation. Or, it ain't over till it's over. Sometime around 95 AD, John, the same John, part of the original 12, was condemned to an island called Patmos. During this time, Jesus appeared to John and gave him a vision about the future. 
Now, a lot of what John wrote is kind of confusing. And I saw four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. Huh? When the Lamb opened the third seal, I saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales. What's that all about? The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the abyss. I don't get it. Like I said, a lot of what John wrote is kind of confusing. But this much is clear. Jesus is coming back someday. And when he does, he's going to snap Satan like a twig. All wrongs will be made right. There will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. And those that are his followers will be with him forever. Until then, it is up to his followers to spread the message about him. In Jerusalem. In Judea. In Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. The story ain't over till Jesus comes back. Come, Come Lord, Lord Jesus! Jesus. How about one more round of applause for the New Testament Rewind team? It's awesome. Tell you what, I just love how our team is able to take the Word of God, make it creative, make it fun, make it memorable, and uh, it's a good sampling of what happens every week with our, with our children's and student ministries here at, at, at Mountain. Uh, it, yeah, so it ain't over Till it's over, right? Well, there is a sense in which the story is over for us in that we've, we've taken this book and when we started, we opened the first page. And we've worked our way now all the way and we've turned the last page. So in that sense, it is over after 500, almost 500 pages of reading and after all those weekend messages and all those small groups and all those videos and uh, all those questions we've asked and questions we've had answered, and probably some questions that are still remaining. Here we are at the end of this book. So Mountain, 31 weeks. Congratulations, you did it. Give yourself a hand. You made it all the way through. So we did it. We did it. It's a pretty big accomplishment, and we've worked hard on it. It goes all the way back to September. It's been a long time. I mean, in some ways, it's kind of kind of like it seems like it's gone real fast. How many of you felt like it seemed like it's actually gone fast, even though it's been that long? Anybody felt that way? It's a little bit like raising kids. If you've got kids or nieces or nephews or grandkids, you know there are certain days where it seems like it's going very slow, and you wish it would go faster. Uh, there were probably times like that in, in the story where we, we felt like, wow, I, I, this is a long chapter, or this is a tough section, I wish it would go faster. But then when it's over and you look back, you say, wow, it, it, where did it go? And that's how kids are as well. I mean, you, when I look at pictures of my kids on my phone that were taken last September when we started the story, I look at those pictures and I look at them now, I think, wow, there's a big change. They look different. I've got, I got a couple of high school kids still, and, and, and you look at these, you say, wow, you, you, look at you. You know, you're, 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 since September, you're like four inches taller and deeper voice and facial hair and all that stuff. And, and that's just my daughter. So I'm just, just, I asked her if I could use that joke. She said, yeah. 
But, but you seriously, you look at my kids, and, and they are different. You know, I've got one who's now got a couple years of college behind him, and one, my daughter's more beautiful and never got a year of high school behind her. My son does have facial hair and a driver's license and all that. And, and there's, there's change. And the most important part of the change in their life is, is not the physical appearance. It's, it's who they have become, and I can perceive those changes too, even in a few short months. And I know this. I know that what, what God would hope is that the same could be said of us, his children. That since last September till now, there would be something about us that has grown and that's changed. I know not all of us uh, participate in every single week of this thing. That's not the point. Don't get hung up on that. But I do hope that, that you have grown and that you have invited God into your story, your life, in a deeper way, to let his story and, and the God of this story inform your life. Have you done that? Is this true of you? That you've invited God in a deeper way to challenge you, to shape your story, to change the direction that your story is taking and who you're becoming. Because your story isn't written yet. And God intends that his story would help direct our story and that our story then would be part of his story. And that's, I know, what God has hoped would happen. And I know some of you, maybe that's happened just a little bit. And maybe others of you, a lot. I've had the privilege of hearing some of the stories about what's happened uh, with some of us. I want to share a couple of those with you. What Jen said, I love that we did this story together as a family. Uh, we'd come home from church and from the story and t- we'd talk about what we're learning. We had the same language. I love that. Talking about the same thing. She goes on to say, I always like anything that draws our family together, but I love the fact that we were drawn together for several months around the Lord. Bam! That's a great story. Jen, you figure out a way to keep doing that in your family. Pull yourself together around the Lord. Randy said, the story was amazing. I grew up with some religious education, but I didn't really have much that stuck or made much difference to me in a personal way. He said, I learned more about God and the Bible in the first three weeks of the story than I learned in the previous 34 years of my life. The story is no longer, the Bible is no longer a nice accessory under my arm, a decoration to make me look like a Christian. It's a story that's real to me, it makes sense to me, and I'm using it to guide my own story. Bam, that's a great story right there. Randy, you find a way to keep that going. And all the rest of us who are like Randy. A young professional said this, I went out on a limb at the beginning of this thing and I put a memo on the board of the break room and I said, anybody want to read the story with me, put your name down and we'll do it. And he went home and freaked out (laughs) and panicked and prayed, right? And, And then he said, but four people signed up. And he says, we did it. All of them made it all the way through and two of them had never read any of the Bible before bam that's a great story isn't it another guy in this church he got over a hundred copies and gave them away to everybody he knew aiming them to the website we had people that were doing this on skype with their family members all over the all over, you know reading the story and looking at the messages online one, one guy told me he'd been reading the bible his whole life but the best part is now all those disjointed pieces he'd been reading felt like he understood how they kind of all fit together how many of you would say that was a little bit of your experience pieces that you'd heard about before now you see okay i see how they fit together one, one said they were concerned because they thought this was going to be kind of shallow and watered down, not real Bible study, but now he, they, they said, I'm grateful because this was a chance for me to actually go deeper into the Word of God. 
One last concept that I think was helpful to a lot of us was the idea of upper story and lower story. How many of you recall that concept and have found it helpful to you at different times? Yeah? Remind us what it is. <clears throat> the lower story is our own story, what's happening in our lives, just our circumstances. And everybody has a lower story. It's what's going on right now. You can see it and feel it and experience it. The upper story is what God's up to. You don't always know exactly what God's up to at the moment. You can't always see it. But you learn to trust that God, in fact, is at work weaving His will through this world and doing some kind of upper story. And, and, and so you, you learn whether you're in the wilderness like Moses or hanging on a cross like Jesus or in a shipwreck like Paul that there's more going on in God's upper story than what might be experienced in your lower story at the moment. So one of our friends here at Mountain was diagnosed with cancer toward the end of the, the story experience we were going through. And I asked her, how's it going? And she said, well, you know, God's timing is perfect. Um, she says, I now see that this cancer is really just part of my lower story. And, and, and I know that God has his upper story still going on. And I'm clinging to that. So that whatever happens to me in my lower story, I'm just going to trust God and know that he is in control. Bam. That's a great story. And I, and I hope that's your story as well. I hope that you've changed like she's changed since September in good ways. We went into this with three goals. We said going in, as we started in the very first week, we said um, we want to know the story. We want to learn some facts and figures so we know the difference between Saul in the Old Testament and Saul in the New Testament. But more than that, number two, we said we want to know the God of the story. We want to go beyond the story. We want to get to know the, 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 a relationship in a real personal way with the one who's telling the story. And third, we want to let God change our story, to really invite God into our lives by surrendering the pages of our own lives over to him so he could do something truly epic in our lives and make of our lives you know, a story that only he could tell. And uh, they say, well, you know, the story ain't over till it's over. Well, this part of the story uh, is over. But I really just believe God is so desperately hoping that this will be more than a little project we completed together, but that it will be a process. That's a lifelong journey for all of us. Where in a new way than maybe would have been possible before, the Word of God, and the will of God and the ways of God infuse our own lives, our own story in a deeper way because of what we've experienced together. And I hope that you will let that be true and pray for that to be true and invite God into your life in a deeper way to literally surrender the pages of, of your life that haven't been written yet over to the Lord and say, God, I want you to weave my lower story, all the stuff that's happening, that I'm doing, that I'm choosing, that I'm not choosing, my story, weave it into your upper story. Make it a story that only you could tell. Let me just leave you with three really concrete takeaways. That if you're interested in saying, I, I, I want to I wanna know the story, but more than that, I want to know the God of the story, and, I, and uh, I want Him to change my story. If that's what you want, then I will give you three concrete takeaways that I, I hope would mark us as God's people moving forward. Read it. Hear it. And do it. Okay? 
as it relates to God's Word, the Bible, wherever you are in your faith with God at this moment, these are three concrete takeaways that will help you. Read it, hear it, and do it. Okay? Read it, hear it, and do it. Read it, hear it, do it. One more time. Again. Read it. Find some way for your mind and heart to be bathed in the Word of God. Find some way to infuse yourself with God's Word. Don't let it stop here. Find some way to, to have regular intake of it. Maybe your small group is going to say, let's study the, the Bible together. Maybe you're going to get up a little earlier, stay up a little later, use your lunch hour, use the car time to listen to audio version of the Bible. Download version or, or the Bible app on your smartphone. Spend 10 minutes less phone gazing or Facebook wasting, you know, to, to, to on, the, on, on the God's Word so that we're finding some way to what? Read it. Get it. Get some Bible into you on a regular basis. Bathe your mind. Fill your head and your heart. Read it. Hear it. Hear it. Find some way to, to, to change maybe the way you read the Bible from, from a checklist to... to uh, you know, something, something that, that I, I did, but to really listen for God's voice and learn to ask this question when you read it. What are you saying to me, God? What am I supposed to be getting out of this? So it's a personal takeaway for you. Take it to heart and ask, what's God saying to me? Read it, hear it, and then do it. Find some way to be more than a sponge who soaks it in, but someone who lives this out. The God's Word is always meant to be responded to. So every day you can be asking, what's God's Word saying to me that's guiding me to do something? Jesus himself said, blessed are those who, hear the, who, who do more than hear the Word of God, but go on to obey it. So how is God calling you to obey Him, to respond to Him, to be more than a sponge, but, but something that's gonna, someone who's going to live it out? For you, obeying might mean that you're going to hold on a while longer to your group and live out community at a deeper level. Or it might mean that you're going to let go of something in your life that's holding you back from really surrendering the pages of your life to the Lord. Or it might, it might mean that you're going to begin to serve somewhere. Some way or other, if you read it and you hear it and you ask, now what am I supposed to do about this? It's going to change your story. And so I just pray that this will be so much more for us than a project we completed. We're, we're, we're putting this book away for a little while now. We're going to put it up on the shelf. You can get it out and reread it yourself. But next week we have this amazing thing happening. It's called Spoke and Hub. Invite some friends. After that we're starting into a new series called AKA. It's kind of God for Dummies. It's going to help us get to know the author of the book. But don't let this thing go away forever. Can we commit, all of us together, to have the Word of God in the center of our lives, changing our story. What are we going to do? We're going to read it. I hope that you will. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and for your son, Christ, the living word. And we pray that you'll help us to be hungry for him and hungry for his word that points us to him. Help us to find ways to consume it and to hear what you're saying to us, to listen for your voice, and then to respond. Because you know, we know that your word is living and active and sharper than, than anything that can cut into the deepest places of who we are. So we, we thank you and, and ask you to change our story. We ask this through the name of Jesus, the hero of the story, the hero of our story.
the one who's changing us, the one who one day will come back to complete the story. And all God's people said,